Amen. And God's people say? I didn't hear you well. And God's people say? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jalen, for leading us so well and for ministering to my heart as I open God's word uh, this morning. For those of you who are visiting for the first time of, or member of Gospel Hope, my name is Manuel Sanchez. I'm one of the pastoral residents here at Gospel Hope with the uh, intent and desire to uh, go back to the Dominican Republic with my family. I'm born and raised there, and the Lord is uh, graciously opening doors for us through your church and through this ministry for us to go back and minister in the city of Santo Domingo, Dominican uh, Republic. There's a picture there of my family and I. You can go to the next slide, please. And, and then the name of our church is Iglesia Ciudad de Gracia, Grace City Church. And our vision is to uh, display the grace of Jesus and his kingdom to our city and to the world. And our mission then is to make disciples who glorify God, love his church, and go on mission. I just wanted to give you a quick update on our status and how we are doing. The Lord graciously has provided uh, for our needs, and we are on track to move to Santo Domingo this summer, August of this year. And I just want to praise the Lord for that provision. So it's uh, somewhat bittersweet because we love this church. We moved here this past August, and we have fallen in love with you guys and the way you have welcomed us and loved us and received us. And we want to say thank you for many of you uh, donating and supporting our ministry in the Dominican Republic. Before I begin this morning, I have an announcement that our pastors wanted me to share with you is that uh, we are so excited about the growth of our new facility here that the Lord has uh, given us. And I, like you saw this past Sunday, we had two services uh, to try to accommodate some of the needs that we have here as a, as a church. And we are, by God's grace, we are growing. So in the near future, we are praying about the possibility of moving to two services, a 9 a.m. service and then an 11 a.m. service to be able to accommodate our uh, growing uh, church. But also, we want to consider, and we are praying about, planning to offer an in-person student ministry. And the kids say, and the youth say, in-person student ministry. So please watch for our communication in the near future about these ministry opportunities. Amen? Amen. Now, let's settle down uh, in my own heart right now. And uh, let's come before the Lord and open up God's word in John chapter 14. Verses 1 through 6. John 14, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read it again. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've never lost a battle like we were singing. 
So today, as I open up your word, I pray that the victory that has already been won in Jesus would, would drive our hope and this message this morning. I pray that in spite of uh, our failures and our struggles, that we would be able to walk away this morning with a clear picture of who you are, being reminded of your loving character and your goodness. Father, if anyone here doesn't know you, I pray that even right now as I am praying that your spirit will begin to convict, to bring to their hearts a neediness of a savior. And that they would grasp, get hold of uh, uh, Jesus this morning as the only way, the only truth, the only life. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Have you ever been or felt overwhelmed by a difficult circumstance in your life? You might be going through some of that right now. We all have. And even more so in the middle of a pandemic. This pandemic has revealed many things. Amongst them, one of the things that it has revealed is that we are fragile, weak people and that we are very worrisome people. We worry and we fight and we struggle with anxiety. Some of our anxiety comes from difficult family situations with a family member. Some of anxiety and struggle and trouble in our hearts might come from a marriage situation right now in your life. Or the phone call that no one wants to get about the, the health diagnosis that you do not want to hear on the other side of the line. A difficult job situation, and the list can go on and on. And when we are facing, when we are feeling overwhelmed by all of these things, our temptation and our hearts begin to lie to us and to scream to us things like this. I don't know if God really cares. I don't know if God really loves you. I don't know if God really is in control of your life. This morning, I believe this text will speak to us, reminding us of this important truth. We must trust in the care and wisdom of God when tempted to be anxious. When you feel tempted to feel the temptation of anxiety and trouble in your heart, you need to trust in the care and wisdom of God when tempted to be anxious. So I'm going to give you three points this morning, and I hope as we expound in this passage that we will be able to grow and see how Jesus speaks to our hearts this morning. How to trust when our hearts, how to trust God when our hearts are troubled. Well, look with me in verse number one. The first thing that we look at here, how we trust when our hearts are in trouble, is that we believe in the character of God. Number one, you believe, you and I, we need to believe in the character of God. Verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And we'll stop right there. It is interesting. What's the context here? Well, we come to John chapter 14 and we continue our series on Jesus as the life, the, the life-giving entity from God that gives us life to you and to me. And we come to chapter 14. And in chapter 14, for three years, the ministry of Jesus has been a success. Large crowds have come and followed Jesus and his 12 disciples. The disciples had a front row seats to the greatest teacher in the whole universe. 
They witnessed the authority of his teaching, calling people to follow him. They saw Jesus rebuke the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. They saw Jesus healing many who were sick. He, they saw Jesus welcome the poor, free people who were demon-possessed. They witnessed the miracle of 5,000 people who did not have anything to eat, and Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread. They saw his power bringing Lazarus from the dead last week with Pastor Ryan's sermon. And they saw people and heard Jesus forgive sins, rebuke storms, and many more signs and wonders were accomplished under his three-year ministry. So this is the ultimate successful ministry that anyone can be longing for, following Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus calls a meeting. And he says, by the way, guys, listen. In Matthew 16, 21, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. So all of a sudden, this success, this awesome, successful ministry is coming to a complete and Jesus, in other words, drops a bomb in the disciples' life right now, in their laps. And he says, by the way, I am leaving. This is over. We're closing shop for now. We are done for right now. And to add more severity to this announcement, in John 13, 21, he says, by the way, one of you is going to betray me. So bad news after bad news, in the eyes of the disciples, they began to get anxious their hearts began to get troubled and to make things worse peter comes out and he says lord you will not die i will lay my life for you and jesus answered peter will you lay your life down for me truly truly i said to you the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times so you can imagine the shock and overwhelming confusion of the disciples right now when they hear the news about Jesus' imminent death. And it's in that context that he says, hey, wait a minute, guys. Don't let this news trouble you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Have you been there? On the other side of the, the spectrum of the chair, when somebody's giving you the bad news, and you can almost feel and, and feel even in your body how your, your, your blood pressure begins to boil up and your anxiety begins to creep in. That is the context that Jesus says, slow down, think about this, don't let that control you. Don't let that hard toss you around to and from a place in John 5, 27 talking about the, the storm, that is the, the context of the meaning of your heart being troubled. I like when one author said, he said, don't let your hearts be overcome with turmoil. Or perhaps simply said, don't allow yourself to be intimidated by the situation. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples right now. Don't let that intimidate you right now. Now, it is interesting. He then says, believe in God. Believe also in me. So Jesus is saying right now, I want you to slow down. Don't go there in your hearts and in your minds. And I want you to believe in someone. 
I want you to believe in someone that is more powerful than your struggle right now. I want you to believe and meditate in God. And if you do so, you are going to also meditate in me. By the way, Jesus himself was troubled. In John chapter 12 verses 27 and 28 and chapter 13 and 21. It tells us how his heart, in his heart, he was troubled. In Gethsemane, he was troubled as he was about to give his life for his people. And he says, Father, but not my will, but your will be done. How did Jesus deal with his trouble? He immediately believed in the character in the goodness of his God. And he surrendered that trouble. He surrendered that fear. He surrendered that struggle before his father. Now, Jesus calls us to simply believe in God and also believe in him. Jesus and the Father are one. We see that throughout the whole book of John. Actually, the book of John repeats 98 times this idea of believing, believing constantly and constantly believing in him. Actually, when John wrote this gospel in John 20, 31, he says, but these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So Jesus is saying, I want you to believe. Believe in what? Believe in God. Believe in him, the unity of God the Father and God the Son are present right across the table from his disciples. He's saying, rest, believe in the sovereignty, in the character of your God who is in control of your situation no matter what you are going through right now. These words are very significant because these words remind us. The exercise and the labor that every believer has to exercise. And it is to believe. To believe. You know, sometimes when we use the word believe, we always use it in the context of a Christian and non-Christian. And those who are Christians in the book of Acts, we're called those who believe. Those were the Christians. Believe in in God and those who don't believe in God we call them unbelievers but do you know that you and I sometimes can be believers than unbelief believers that don't believe oh we find the example clearly in the life of Abraham in the life of Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis Jesus tells Abraham hey I want you to pack your bags and go to a land, and when Abraham says, where am I going? He said, I don't know where you're going. Just trust me. And Abraham says, I believe. And then in chapter 12, from verses uh, uh, 12, uh, 10 through 17, Abraham says, I'm not going to believe. And how do we see that? They go to Egypt. There's a famine that hits the land at that specific moment. And the same Abraham that said, I believe in this God is the same Abraham that says, I don't believe. And when they go in, they say, you know what, Sarah, you're so beautiful. And I think we need to say that you are my sister so I don't get in trouble, so they don't kill me. 
So they don't, so something weird happens to me. So when we go in and we go to this food and they ask you, who are you? Who is this beautiful woman? I am going to say, she is my sister. Do you notice in the same chapter, the Abraham that believed is the Abraham that did not believe? In 17 verses, in the same context, you and I sometimes are unbelievers. Not in the sense that we lose our salvation, but in the sense that we forget the character and the promises of God in your life and in my life. You and I sometimes when we are in this struggle with, with, our, with our marriage and we said, yes, I do until death do us part. Sometimes when things are intense, sometimes you are tempted to not believe that promise. Oh, sometimes when you get up in the morning and the Spirit of God tells you the best thing for you right now is to surrender to me, to spend time in the Word, or to do something that would feed your soul, sometimes we don't believe. Sometimes we believe that the, the best thing to do is to turn our phones and to look at the news or to look at Facebook or to look at social media and to invade our hearts and minds with things of this world that are vain that at the end leave us empty. We are believers. And Jesus is reminding them of this truth. Believe. Believe. I heard this author saying, our behaviors are the tangible expression of our beliefs. Our behaviors are the tangible expressions of our belief. In other words, you act and do the things you do because you're believing something about it. I'll give you an example. My daughter, Salome, she's two years old. Two years old. Sometimes when I change her diaper on the bed, she stands on the edge of the bed, opens her arms, and she just throws herself forward. She's two years old. She said, she loves me. She said, daddy's girl, is that how you say it? Daddy's girl, right? And she just throws herself to me. And the first time she did that, I'm like, oh, girl, you got to be careful. If nobody catches you, we're going to have to go to the ER. Not to the DR, Dominican Republic, to the ER, emergency room. We're going to have to go to the ER. Are we going to be in trouble? So what is Salome doing when she does that? Well, Salome believes in the character of daddy, a sinful, fallible human being. And she just doesn't care. She throws herself forward because she believes that I'm going to catch her. She believes that I love her. She believes that she can trust in me. She believes that I'm going to take care of her. She believes that once, when, when she's about to get to the ground, I'm going to come to her rescue. So her behavior is a tangible expression of what she believes. And church, how much more should we believe in the character of God? How much more should we believe in the character of our Father revealed in the person of Jesus Christ? 
If a human father is willing and ready to help his child who is in trouble, how much more our heavenly father, we need to believe that the Lord is our rock. We need to believe that our heavenly father knows our needs. We need to believe that the Lord is our provider. We need to believe that no tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore can separate us from the love of this God who is going to catch you every time you throw yourself forward to him. You believe. And some of you came today not believing. Some of you got on the car today and you didn't feel like coming to church. And we need to exercise what Jesus is saying here. We need to fight to believe. No, I believe in God's word. I believe in the character of God. Jesus says, church, here's how you fight your troubled heart. You believe. Simply. There's not a magic formula. You just believe in the character of God. Number two. We not only believe, according to Jesus, but we also, we look beyond our current trouble. We have to look beyond our current trouble or circumstance or stress. Verse 2, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. What does that mean? What is Jesus saying when he says these things? All you know is that Jesus, all we know is that Jesus is talking about heaven in this context. And it's interesting because their eyes are fixed on the terrible news that Jesus is going to be, to be killed. He's going to be sacrificed. They are overwhelmed. And Jesus is trying to fixate their minds from their situation into a better situation in the future. And Jesus is going to explain how his departure is better than him staying here with them for all this time during this tribulation. So Jesus says, listen. In my father's house. He's not merely changing their minds or their perspectives so that they are not worried for the moment. He's changing their minds and perspectives into something that is eternal. He's trying to get their eyes to be fixed in something that is better than the miracles that he performed. In something that is better than feeding 5,000 people. In something that is better than just getting out of trouble. And living life just trouble-free. There's something better. He said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. What happens here in my father's house, many people have translated from, from the Latin to the Greek to the English or Spanish. It said many mansions, the better translation. It is many rooms or a place or places. And in the context of Jesus, people, fathers, oftentimes they just added another room into their uh, into their house. So you have your big house. And when your son got married. You would come and he would build another separate house. Attached to your house. And here when we think about the word mansion or rooms. We always think about the nice big house. Right in Alpharetta or in Conyers. Conyers not so much. But Alpharetta. Right. You think about this big mansion. Well the point here is not how big the mansion is. Or how fancy it is going to be. The point here is that Jesus is saying, 
hey, you're going to be close to me. Even though I'm leaving, think about this. And we are going to be in our father's house. You're going to be welcomed into my father's house. You're going to be received in my father's house, and you're going to have your own room, your own space. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you to look beyond your current trouble right now and think about heaven blessings. Oh, church, don't we need that today? Don't we need that to meditate more in the treasures and gifts of heaven? When was the last time outside of a funeral that you sat down and meditated in the riches and beauty of being in our Father's house, spending eternity with Jesus? I confess, as I was writing this, I, I, I just couldn't think of the last time I did it outside of a tragedy or a funeral. Which is exactly when we preach these type of messages sometimes. And here Jesus is saying, get your eyes fixed in something beyond what you are seeing right now. I am going to prepare a place for you in, in two ways. Jesus had to go to die on the cross for their sins, for our sins. And he needs to go so he can, through his death, have access for you and me to go to the Father. There's more to our current trouble than the trouble that we see right now in front of us. And the point of heaven is not only that we are going to be carefree or illness-free, or we're going to walk in streets of gold that those songs, you know, we oftentimes sing. So I know them in Spanish. I don't know it in English, so sorry I cannot sing it. The beauty of heaven is that Jesus says, so where I am, you may be also. Church, heaven without Jesus is not complete. Heaven without Jesus is not the ultimate goal of the Christian. Heaven without Jesus or heaven carefree life is not the goal. The goal that we all pursue and that we want to follow and that we want to live for the rest of our lives is to know that Jesus is present in heaven. In Romans, in Revelation chapter 22, verses 21, 22, and 23 says, And I saw no... And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Revelation 22, uh, 4 and 5. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Here is the point. Jesus is saying, get your eyes on me, on heaven, in Jesus, in the work that I'm going to perform on your behalf. Now, let's be, son let's be honest. It is easy to say. Right, Manuel? It's very easy to say. Thank you for the reminder. But it's very hard to live and to do. And oftentimes, we lose sight of the spiritual and eternal reality of our salvation. We are rightly reminded of, his, of this truth, not only in a tragedy, but we need to be reminded 
every single day. And in your struggle today, we need to remember this truth. Christians live both in the present reality of this broken world and also in the future promise of heaven. You and I live on the pain and present reality of this world, but I am looking to the future promise of heaven, a heaven with Jesus for all eternity. Church, what is your trouble? Remember, the brokenness of this world is a reality, but look at the future promise. I love how the Apostle Paul, if you read through the epistles, the Pauline epistles, you're going to find Paul talking about heaven all the time. I'm talking about the, the future. Look in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Paul is talking here. He's fighting a, a false teaching that was coming into the church, crippling into the church. And he gives them this powerful message in, in Colossians 1 about the supremacy of Jesus. And he's so in love with Jesus that in verse, th- verse 1 of chapter 3, he said, Set your minds on the things above and not on the things on the earth. Think about heaven. Think about Jesus. Redirect your thoughts and mind in Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. This is unbelievable what the Apostle Paul says here. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. One moment, Paul. Are you talking about that all the beating that you had? Are you talking about that all the persecution that you've been through? Are you talking about that, that, the, the, the situation where you almost were dead and you got up and walked into the city again preaching the good news of the gospel? Are you talking about those things are momentary afflictions? Let me tell you something, Paul. They don't look like momentary. They don't look like light to me. They look heavy and they are pressing on my heart right now. And Paul says, you know what? Compare to what? To heaven. Compare to being with Jesus. They are preparing us an eternal way of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Again, Paul is saying we need to look alongside Jesus We need to look beyond our present circumstance and look at eternal glory that awaits you and me. In light of eternity, our trials are momentary and they will soon pass. What's your struggle today? What is your fear today? What are you anxious about today? In light of eternity, your trials are momentary and they will soon pass. Look beyond your current situation. Number three. We not only believe in God, in the character of God. We not only look beyond our current situation, but we also embrace our all-sufficient Jesus. We embrace are all sufficient Jesus. Look at verse 5 and 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, in other words, 
Thomas is hearing Jesus talking this language of, I am leaving, I am going, you know where I'm going. And Thomas says, Lord, I'm going to be honest with you. I am a little bit concerned, a little bit confused. I don't know what's happening, Lord. We don't know where you are going, and we do not know the way. Can you help me out? Can you help me? How do I do this? How do I get there? The best example of this, as I was meditating on an example, illustration about this, is that, unfortunately, I am directionally challenged. So, if you drop me in an unknown place in the United States of America without a GPS, I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble. There have been many times that I have been lost sometimes in an unknown city or town where we're here in the States, and I have to stop at a gas station and ask for directions. How do I get to this place or to that place? And sometimes I get confusing answers. Have that happened to you? I'm already directionally challenged. So when they say go east, I'm like, east? Where is east? <laughs> go west. Go, uh, go 10 miles north. Go 10 miles south. And I'm looking at them, and I'm like, who, who are you talking to? You're not talking to me. I have no idea what you are saying. But the good news comes when somebody sees my Dominican inability. And he says, you know what? I know where that place is at. I'll take you there. Let me take you. Follow me. At that moment, that uncertainty and that concern and that fear, that struggle in my mind and in my heart, all of a sudden it's just whew, subsided, stopped. And I just throw myself into this person who will drive me to the, my final destination. And at the end, I arrived at my place. At the end, I made it to the place where I was meant to go, but I was lost and I couldn't get there on my own. Thomas is saying, Jesus, Lord, my GPS stops right here at death. You're talking about death? I don't know. After you die, I don't know where I'm going. After you die, I am confused. After you died, I don't know what we are going to do. We don't know the way, and we don't know how to get to the Father. And that's why this verse is so powerful, and it brings so much hope to the believer and to those who don't know Christ that I pray would come to Christ today. Jesus says, I'll take you there. You don't know how to get to the Father. You don't know how to get to heaven. You don't know how to experience the ultimate joy and satisfaction and peace and the certainty that when your heart is troubled, you can trust in me. You can look beyond your circumstances. I'll take you there. Trust in me. I am the way. I came from the Father and I'm going to the Father. I am the truth. Outside of me, there is no absolute truth. I am the true, perfect exponent of God's ideas and message to humanity. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the, the living water. I am the truth. Trust in me. Rely in my truth. And I am the life. I am the life. And I'm going to prove to you that I am the life. 
In John 10, chapter 17 and, and, and 18, Jesus says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I have come, because I, I have laid down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. Listen, I am the life. I have authority over my own life, but I lay it down for my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And on the cross, few hours later, Later, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was crucified on, for, for our sins, for your sin, for my sin. And on the third day, he rose again. And when Thomas could not believe that Jesus was alive, Jesus appeared to him and he said, I told you so. I am the life. Believe in me. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. This is the famous passage where people get conflicted feelings about. Let me tell you the, the best way to explain this. Jesus' exclusivity about our relationship with the Father is actually a gift from him to humanity. When you look at other religions and they give you conflicting answers about how to get eternal life, about how to live a certain way, all of them fall short. And Jesus said, everything stops right here. Believe in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And the question is, do you know him? Do you know that way? Do you know, have you experienced the truth? Do you know, have you experienced new life? If you came through these doors this morning and your heart is troubled, you don't need more pills. You don't need other things that the world offers all you need is the living water, the living bread, the life that Jesus offers to you today. And he invites you to trust only in him as your personal Lord and Savior. Our hearts can only find peace and comfort in the sufficient work of Christ on our behalf. Now, with this I conclude. You might be saying, okay, Manuel, I know I need to believe in the character of God. I know that my current struggle right now is, is, is difficult and I need to look at heaven and the eternal glory and the blessings that God has for me in heaven. But right now, when I go home and my child has rebelled against me and he slams the door on my face right now, when, when I go back to my husband and to my wife and we're still struggling, uh, those, those things don't, don't, don't kind of connect, don't do it all to me right now. Well, I'm glad you're bringing those concerns because Jesus not only gives us that, that eternal perspective, believe in me, believe in the future, believe in that I am all sufficient. But Jesus then, he sends us a helper. And in verse 16, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The word here, helper, 
It's the word that is translated as someone who advocates for you. Someone who defends you. Someone who goes in from, around, in front of you, around you, and behind you. In other words, Jesus is saying, when your heart begins to get troubled and anxious and fearful, I am there through my Holy Spirit. When you don't know what to do at the hospital bed and you're looking at your loved one and you're saying your goodbyes and you don't know what to do, I am there with you. I'm in front of you, I'm behind you, I'm around you, I'm in you. Church, Jesus died on the cross to make possible that the helper would walk alongside us in whatever trouble we're finding ourselves in. And you need to believe that. You need to embrace it. You need to get hold of it and cling to Jesus. Cling and leave out the reality that the helper is with you. You're not alone. Jesus is with you. And I want to challenge you with these two, two practical applications for your life and for my life. Listen, number one, intentionally meditate in God's word. By writing and speaking, I believe, statements. Intentionally meditate in God's word by writing and speaking out loud, I believe statements. Many of us are believing many lies and many of us need to speak up beliefs about the truth of God to our own hearts, to our own selves. So when the belief comes to your mind that you cannot do anything right, you need to say, I believe Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you believe that you are weak and that you have no power to do anything and that no one good can come from you, you need to write down I believe statements and say, you know what? I believe that yes, I am weak, but the power of God is made perfect through my weakness. I believe that. And I'm not going to let this unbelief cripple in my heart and, and cripple me like I have no hope. I believe. You need to write that down and speak it to your heart often. And secondly, my last application is this. Don't fight this troubled heart alone. Do not fight alone against this troubled heart. You have the Holy Spirit in you believe it and second surround yourself other believers that will help you fight to believe how many of you have come to church not feeling it using i'm using the term feeling you know very open uh, not feeling i'm gonna go to church but i'm not feeling it today and then when you walk away and you're like i'm glad i came i'm glad i saw so-and-so i'm glad uh I, I'm glad I, I saw Felicia and, and George uh, walking in faith and, 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 and receiving this child to show him the love of Christ. You know, that ministered to me. I'm so glad I saw so-and-so that I know just lost a family member and they were there at church. You know what, church? The community of all believers will help you fight unbelief. Strength in numbers, the Golden State Warriors say. And there you have it. When you bring... All 
this army of believers surrounding you, believing in this character of God, in his future promises, and his all-sufficient power, you know what? Your heart gets full of belief once again. So church, fight, fight, fight for joy in the person and care and wisdom of Jesus. This is God's word. Father, thank you for reminding me right now, for reminding me of my need of surrender and belief. Father, far be from me that I to communicate that I was minimizing our struggles and our problems. No, Lord, some of these struggles and burdens are heavy, are difficult. We need your wisdom to navigate through them. But help us believe. Help us believe in your character, in your goodness. Help us have eyes that look at the eternal future promise of heaven. And help us, O oh Lord, embrace your all-sufficient power through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I, I feel like you're telling me this right now, so I'm going to speak it out. If someone here has not experienced the life, the new given life that Jesus gives, would you surrender today? Jesus himself will take you there. If you trust in him, if you died, if you surrender the weapons of your rebellion against a good, loving father, would you come to him? Would you say, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a savior, and only you are the true, the truth, the way, and the life. So I come to you, O oh Lord, surrendering my life to Jesus. If that is you today, please do not walk away from this room today, from this meeting today without talking to one of us. So we can rejoice with you in the transforming power of the gospel in your life. And walk alongside you in the journey that Jesus has for you. Would you come to Jesus today? In your name we pray. Amen.